Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on CageSidePress.com. I'm David Gumby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Once upon us, UFC 264, the event you've all been waiting for, Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier 3. We will, of course, be breaking down that fight as well as two other of our favorite fights on the main card as part of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays, where we are going to give you our picks for the top three fights as well as a parlay and an underdog that we think is going to make your wallet fat. Plus, we're bringing you guys the interviews that you've come to know and love. First, I'll be talking with Max Payne Griffin as he gets ready for his fight with Carlos Condit. He talks about how he's feeling in this recent streak he's been on. And a little bit later on in the show, I'm going to be talking to Cameron Else, who doesn't fight this weekend, but he does fight coming up soon. And he fights Aaron Phillips. He tells us all about his debut, how he's rebounded from that, and how his mentality has changed around fighting. So you're going to want to make sure to tune into both of those as well as Fights, Dogs, and Parlays. But of course, before we get to any of that great content, I got to remind you that this episode is brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is the home for the avid sports better because it provides insights, analysis, and free betting picks. It's like a YouTube for sports betting. Head on over there and browse, search, and follow handicappers and sports personalities as they give you their thoughts on upcoming sports contests in every sport imaginable. In fact, you can find my bonus pick this week over on Better Than Vegas on the Top Turtle MMA page. But of course, in order to do that, you got to make sure you head on over there right now, betterthan.vegas. Better Than Vegas brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. All right, and joining me today is Max Payne Griffin, who fights Carlos Conda at UFC 264 this weekend coming up. So before we get to talking about that Carlos Condit fight, Max, I wanted to talk about the turnaround in your career right now, because you had actually been through seven straight fights that had gone to decision. In your last two times out, you have absolutely put it on your opponent. Two huge finishes in a row, one by ripping a man's ear off, one by flatlining a guy. What's the change there? Is it just a good luck, or is is there something that you feel like has changed and turned a corner in your career? No, man, I finally figured it out. I I really say I have this new mental coach, man, Danny Patterson. Um, you know, he looked back. I mean, I was just so close. I mean, you look at those seven fights. I mean, the losses were razor thin, man. They could have gone either way, all of them. Every single one of those fights could have gone either way. Some of them were robberies. But a lot of them are so close. It's a judge here or a strike or something here or there. Um, I have to be a mental coach, man. Um, Danny Patterson. But it's about, for me, being authentic. He he looked at all my last past fights. And the ones with my best success, I was having a good time. You know, I, I really put a lot of pressure on myself um, to win and trying to force stuff. And um, a lot of pressure, bro. A lot of pressure in these big moments and you do have a loss, right? So you have to win the next fight, and you just there's just a lot there. And um, once we started um, getting my core values and getting my mind right about, I do my best work when I'm having a good time. So I've been training and having a good time, and really being accountable for all my stuff, and really finding what makes me tick. Capitalize on that, and um, 
the last two fights, I had the time of my life. I enjoyed the fight. So that when I took Rami's ear, um, I had such a good time. And then I was like, holy shit. I, I went viral and I had a great time. Hold on. Let me have more of a good time. This works. Next fight, Song Keenan smoked him um, <laughs> and had a greater time. So now, um, you know, I got the pieces put together. I feel like I'm in the Matrix now where, where you know, uh, you know, we're in the Matrix where Neo stopped the bullets and he's like, no, you know. And, um, I'm like Neo right now. So I'm really looking forward to to everything, bro. Well, that's great to hear. Now, uh, you know, you, you mentioned the mental coach in there. I know you've also been splitting some time, or at least last time I talked to you, you were splitting time between MMA Gold, your your usual gym, and Alpha Male. Is that still happening? And if so, how's that working for you as you get prepared for this Carlos Condit fight? Yeah, it's great, man. I'm still I'm, I'm still MMA Gold, still at Miranobis Kickboxing. But, yes, I'm at Team Alpha Male like three days a week really putting in that time with these high level guys and um my my training partners are some of the best on the planet um world class i mean my wrestling partner you know my best friend ryan loader d1 all-american freaking stud and then you know slava borshev who just had a giant win this past weekend at titan fc um like a 13-time world k1 kickboxing champion He's nasty, so he's been helping me for Carlos and um, just going with these guys that are such a high level really elevates your game and makes you um, – the competition makes you work, right? Um, but it's great. I mean, the camaraderie there, we're really putting all of Sacramento together. I'm the only guy in SAC that trains at all the gyms in SAC and makes it work, and um, it's amazing, bro. It's it's really coming together, man. Well, that's great to hear. Now, let's talk a little bit about this fight, too, because it is a fight with somewhat of a legend. Carlos Conde is a guy who's been in there with the very best. He's, you know, been an interim champion. Is this one of those fights that you've always kind of been looking for? Have you always been sort of looking for the the legends in the welterweight division that are they're, – they're all kind of right there, man. Yeah, no, it's a beautiful thing, man. Um, I mean, this last kind of fight like this was when I fought Thiago Alves. It's kind of a similar thing. You got these legends that have that have been there, done that, fought the best in the game, but best in the world. Guys that have been at the top of the game. Um, Carlos Condit actually been wanting to fight him for years. I remember watching him on WEC. He's snarling at the camera, pacing back and forth, you know, when they introduce him and he's in the cage. I remember looking like, oh, I want to fight that guy. Oh, I can't wait to fight that guy. And here we are, um, matched up with Carlos Condit, man, um, on the biggest card of the year, you know, Connor Poirier three in a prime spot. I mean, on the prelims, the main prelim fight right before the pay-per-view is going to have all eyes on it. And I, I can't be fighting a better guy as such a fan favorite as Carlos Condit. No, you're a fan favorite. Yeah, fan fucking fan favorite, bro. He's a... People love that man, and um, I'm, I was a big fan. I mean, I'm a big fan, but not 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 there in this camp. Um, I'll be a fan after I finish him. 
Well, and, and you know, I'm, I'm glad you said that because I was going to ask you, like, th- this is a Carlos Condit who's been in some absolute wars out there. And a lot of people saw your name next to his and, and thought that immediately, right? Like, they thought this would be a war. Do you expect it to be that before you get the finish? Because obviously here you're predicting the finish. Do you expect that to be before you get the finish? Or do you expect they'd be able to get him out there quick? You know, he's a tough guy. Um, you know, take a shot. I mean, he, dude, he's been in there with the best guys in the world. I know this, right? Um, but it's my time, brother. Like, like people, you know, I used to do those fight of the night, right? I used to do those fight of the night quite frequently. But to me, it was, it was, um, I was letting them in the fight. I, I was keeping them in the fight, you know. It was like my own doing on how these fight of the nights were. Gun kind of got, you know, unfocused or, you know, I let these guys land a shot or certain things that was my doing. All these fight of the nights, you know, um, were my fault, you know, and I know that now. And uh, I'm going to break them down, bro. Um, he is tough, and he doesn't get finished, and I don't care. I don't care who it is. Um, now that I have the recipe, now that I know what I'm doing, now that, like, like most people don't, they don't figure it out. I mean, some guys figure it out when they get there, um, you know, and the most guys don't never figure it out. I mean, the average UFC career is like a year, you know. Guys kind of get in there, they get beat a couple times, they're out. Um, this would be, I'll be here five years in August, you know, um, I've had ups and downs, but now it's uptime, baby. I, um, I'm one of the best in the world and I'm going to prove it. And especially fighting a guy like Carlos Conner on his main stage, man. Um, I'm the future and the world will see July 10th, 2021. Well, I, I certainly hope you're right on that. Now, I do got to ask, you know, you, you've won two fights in a row very emphatically, but maybe not against the names that you need to start yelling for these top 15 names and these legends of the sport. Now you get Carlos Condit, a legend of the sport in his own right. Do you feel like you go in there and get him out? We're talking top 15, top 10 opponent next. Yeah, I mean, whatever. I'm, this is one of those fights where... Um, it's so big for me that I'm, um, not taking anything away, you know, um, not looking past whatsoever, bro. Um, hundred percent focused on him, but I don't know who knows. I mean, you got these guys like Cam's out of that win two fights and then they're ranked, you know, their their rankings are, and he beat two bums. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting the rankings, but I must say after this fight, um, the world's gonna want to see me fight these guys. <laughs> Trust me, the world's gonna be like, "Oh my God, dude, um, we need to see Max fight him." So I, I think the fans, man, are uh, are gonna be demanding me fight these guys, and, I, and that the UFC does what the fans want usually. So um, we'll see what happens. Well, we'll be one of those ones hoping for those big fights for you. Once again, fans, this has been Max Payne Griffin, who fights Carlos Conda at UFC 264 this upcoming weekend as the main prelim on the card. 
thank you so much for the time, Max. We really appreciate it. Thank you, bro. Thank you as always. Well, we hope you enjoyed that interview with Max Griffin. I once again am Daniel Gumby Vreeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Toronto. Dave, it is Conor McGregor fight week. I'm going to ask you this. What level of hype do you feel like is surrounding the trilogy? Wow, Gumby, what a loaded question, as you always tend to do to start these segments off. Uh, You know, I'm hyped, but I'm not that hyped. Uh, Is is it a trilogy? Yes, it is, by technical definition. But the way I look at this, I mean, Conor McGregor in 2014, when they first met and he beat Dustin Poirier, was about the same fighter, I think. Uh, Maybe his boxing has gotten a little flashier since he did have a quick foray into boxing. Um, he might be a little smarter when it comes to energy consumption, largely the same fighter. Dustin Poirier, I find to be, I think he's exploded more and stayed more regular in the last seven years. And we saw what happened in the first fight. And of course, we'll get into that in a second. But for me, it's not so much the classic trilogy because it's a trilogy that's separated by seven years. So I almost kind of throw out the first fight. I just kind of view it as like a rematch from what we saw earlier this year. You know what I mean? Yeah, if we're looking at this as either a rematch or a trilogy, it does feel way more like a rematch. When one fight is seven years apart from the other two, which happen to be, what what are we looking at, like six months apart between the two? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like it, it feels very much like we've seen this Connor and this Dustin fight once and we saw two completely different fighters and you're right I think Dustin has progressed more but I think Connor is also different I think he's fairly different you know you you said he's he's gotten a little bit more technical with his boxing the energy consumption thing is a huge difference from where he used to be I think you know like his ability to just let it all hang out and go for that big kill early that's also kind of not with him anymore I think he's enough of a different fighter that that first one you can pretty much just scratch. Yeah, so I'm chomping at the bit here, okay? I got, like, my mouth is watering. I'm salivating. Let's get right into it. It's our favorite segment on the show. It's fights, dogs, and parlays, and I'm so excited by who's sponsoring it this week because it's just one of those things that goes together like peanut butter and jelly. We're breaking down fights. We're giving you gambling odds. We're giving you our prospects. We're giving you our parlays to play, I mean. We're giving you our locks. So, Gumby, who sponsors this edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays for UFC 264, Connor versus Dustin, the trilogy <laughs> rematch? The Fights, Fight, Dogs, and Parlays is brought to you by my bookie. In the world of sports, the offseason is a time to relax and regroup after a hard-fought season. But playing with my bookie gives you the chance to decide when your season begins and when it ends. At mybookie.ag, you can bet on hundreds of games and leagues from around the world, whether it's game day parlay or a long shot winner. My bookie's got you covered. And if you're looking for something to bet on, look no further than UFC 264 and a highly anticipated rematch between Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor. McGregor is listed as the underdog now, which we'll get to in just a second, and bets on Poirier to win by KO would pay out at nearly 2-1. to one. So regardless of whether you're bet- betting Poirier or McGregor this weekend, take advantage of pre-fight props or bet the matches live to shift the odds in your favor and come out on top. Sign up today with my bookie and use promo code TOPTURTLE and you will receive up to $1,000 in bonus money when you make your first deposit. That's $1,000 in extra cash when you make your first deposit at MyBookie using the promo code TOPTURTLE. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. 
gosh, do I love my bookie, my bookie, my bookie, my bookie. I love it. All right, Dustin Poirier, I talked about him being a different fighter from when him and Conor first faced in 2014. Let's just go back to his Michael Johnson loss, which came about in September of 2016. Since that time, Dustin Poirier is 7-1 and one with one no contest, the no contest being to Eddie Alvarez, who illegally need Poirier in the head as he was down. So, you know. Say what you will about that. Was he already losing? Was it an illegal? Uh, I don't know. Just called a no contest. It is what it is. He also lost to Khabib Nurmagomedov, the goat, the eagle, the eagle, the goat. Uh, no real shame in that. You know, Khabib beats 99.9% of every fighter on the planet within a 30-pound uh, range, I would say. I'd pick him against a lot of middleweights even. I know that sounds crazy, but I'd certainly pick him against a lot of welterweights. So this is a man, Dustin Poirier, who's beaten Jim Miller, Anthony Pettis, Justin Gaethje, a rematch of Eddie Alvarez, uh, TKO'd with a performance of the night, beat Max fucking Holloway, beat Dan Hooker, and then beat Conor McGregor in the first fight. As you said, Gumby, he is now betting off as a minus 130, the favorite. We saw in the first fight, calf kicks galore. That was the key to the win. Calf kicks add up. It's like putting money in a Roth IRA. You're not going to see an instant return you see it accumulate, and then you're happy when you retire. McGregor, on the other hand, someone who said recently on Twitter, whoever shoots first for a takedown is a dusty bitch. I love Dustin Poirier's response to that, which is, hey, bub, it's MMA, okay? If you don't want takedowns, then you can just go to kickboxing or boxing. This could just be mind games on Connor's part. Connor's takedown defense is pretty good. He's good at getting to the fence. Obviously, someone like Khabib wore him down after four rounds. I don't expect Dustin to do that. But that being said, let's talk about it. McGregor now betting off at a plus 100. So even with all the marks, all his Irishmen, all the Conor McGregor stands, he's only betting off at a plus 100. And I'm not necessarily going to argue with it. When you really look at it, Conor McGregor is 3-3 in his last six fights. Did he have flashes against Dustin Poirier? Abso-fucking-lutely. But can he address the leg kicks? Gumby, your thoughts, and don't forget, you can go to my bookie. They're providing these odds today. So I would say this. I would say, look, first of all, Conor McGregor betting off at plus 100 actually surprises me because he opened as a favorite in this fight. Um, you know, in the, the pretty much the same range as Dustin is currently chilling at, which means the money is coming in on Dustin Poirier. Which, I mean, say what you want, but, but people usually bet on Conor McGregor. Like, they, he's got the hype behind him. And so for the money to be coming in on Dustin Poirier, first of all, that surprises me. Second of all, I'm going to take Dustin Poirier in this fight. I actually think Dustin Poirier in this fight is the smarter bet. And not necessarily because of the leg kicks, because I think Conor's going to adjust to that. But because of why we thought Dustin Poirier had such a good shot in the first place, and it's... He's hard to knock out. He's not an easy guy to put away. So if Connor doesn't land that left hand, he does have to spend five rounds with Dustin Poirier's cardio, with Dustin Poirier's volume, with Dustin Poirier's wrestling. And I think all of those things kind of welded together are, are Dustin Poirier's way to win here. Is like I think Poirier can put him against the cage and hold him there and wear him out, even if he's not getting those takedowns. And, and I think the leg kicks are still going to be there enough that he's going to do some damage, but not like the first fight. I don't know necessarily that Poirier gets him out of here, but, you know, I, I like the, the Poirier odds, even at negative 130. Would have liked them where they actually open, but even now at negative 130, I'm still going Poirier. 
I think you broke it down perfectly. I, I you know, this is a, this is a close fight. Okay. It's not a no brainer. And certainly the odds are actually very tight. Once you get past the fact that you're looking at underdog Conor McGregor um, and, you know, such a role reversal from the, from the second fight, excuse me, um, such a role reversal from the second fight. But that being said, um, Connor's a very smart fighter. You know, if he comes out and has a game plan against the leg kicks and he's going to check them, uh, you know, that also will not shock me. He always has his left hand. It seemed to rock Poirier, you know, maybe once in the second round, if I remember correctly, of the second fight. I'm really not going to reference the first fight at all because, like I said, it was just too long ago. Um, but that being said, you know, I would like Connor if they were giving me plus 150. You know, getting into that territory at plus 100, it just is what it is. I like Poirier in this fight. I even thought if you really want to go there, I just thought Poirier looked bigger, stronger, and even a little faster than Connor. And maybe that's because he's been launching whiskey brands and he took a year off the box. And whatever happened with Cowboy Cerrone, who is a shell of his former self, I mean, you know, not to mention that was only 40 seconds the Cowboy Cerrone win. So, you know, I take that out. Connor really hasn't been an active fighter in four years. In four years. He fought three times in 2016. Was it 2016 or 2017? Uh, 20, yeah. 2016. Five yeah. years. Yeah. 2016. Five years. So th- this is, you know, if you talk about Connor like you did in 2014, 2015, 2016, you're crazy. It's it's just a different fighter. It's an older fighter. And we've seen it time and again at lower weights. Old does not work. It works at bigger weights. You can be 205 pounds and be mid-30s. You can be a little slower. You can out-muscle. You can use you're grappling, you're jiu-jitsu. And that's another thing with Connor is he's not that really a well-rounded an MMA fighter. So there are certain, you know, there's like one or two kind of paths for him and they both involve a power left. Whereas with Dustin Poirier, I feel like there are multiple ways for him to win. Grinding up against the cage, takedowns, leg kicks, just winning a back and forth point war. Um, you know, so where do I see this lie? I, you know, here's a question for you, Gumby. Do you would you bet that this goes to decision? I actually am leaning that way, to be honest with you. I, I actually think Dustin Poirier by decision is probably if you had me pick a, both a winner and a method, I think I would go with that this time because I think you're going to see a a much more careful Conor McGregor, um, one who's trying to conserve more energy, and I don't necessarily know that that plays well against Dustin Poirier. Who, who, as we've pointed out, he's a master of volume. I mean, look at the Max Holloway fight that he had. I think he landed 178 punches in five rounds against Max Holloway. So, like, knowing that about Dustin Poirier and knowing that he's got the wrestling there, and like you said, Connor's no slouch when it hits the ground. He's got good submission defense, Um, you know, the Habib submission notwithstanding. And then Nadia's submission it, notwithstanding. Yeah, he, he's got I think good he, submission I think defense he, when he isn't balls tight. Right, 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 exactly. And I, and I think... I don't know that I, I would put Dustin Poirier's submission offense even close to those other two. You know what I mean? So with all that being said, I think Dustin probably just tires him out and wins enough rounds. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think I'm going Dustin Poirier decision here. Yeah, I, I lean the same. So it'll be very interesting. And if that's not enough, we have so many. I mean, we have the return of one of our favorites, Ryan Hall, this week. But the co-main event is a banger of a banger of a banger. You have Stephen Wonderboy Thompson 
a minus 155 favorite to Gilbert Burns, the plus 125 dog. These odds provided by my bookie, my bookie, my bookie. We love them, my bookie. Uh, and, you know, this is a styles class, right? Because Gilbert Burns, a jiu-jitsu champion, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, uh, coming from the world of kickboxing, is, you know, very accomplished there. And I love the poster I saw, which was kind of one of those, is making the rounds on Twitter. I think you might have even been the one who sent it to me. as sort of that old school look. Of, you yeah, know, yeah. Sh- shout out the style. guy too. His his name is at Needing Art. He's the man. Uh, yeah. His his poster. Check it out if you haven't on Twitter at Needing Art. Uh, so Wonderboy Thompson, the favorite, is coming off a two fight win streak. Beat Vicente Luke. Beat Joff Neal. Lost Anthony Pettis via KO. Kind of almost tough to even remember that the Superman punch and lost to Darren Till via decision. Beat Jorge Masvidal by the way before that. So three and two in his last five. Um, and if you want to even peel it back further, he had the two Tyron Woodley fights, a draw, and then a loss. Um, and then Gilbert Burns himself, also a former title challenger at 170. Uh, Burns is coming off a loss to Kamara Usman via TKO. Had some flashes in that fight. Looked okay in the first round. Before that, he was on a massive winning streak. He had six fights in a row where he won. He beat Damian Maya, Tyron Woodley, Gunnar Nelson. Uh, these are some really nice names, and now he's going to get Stephen Wonderboy Thompson as a plus 125 dog. Very few people have an easy time with Wonderboy Thompson. It's not so much a shock that, let's say, Anthony Pettis, who has a similar style, was able to finally land a KO on Thompson, but most other people don't have that kind of luck in exchanges with Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. What do you make of Gilbert Burns' chances should the jiu-jitsu ace not be able to get it to the ground, which I'll also mention is not easy against Wonderboy? I I think his chances are almost zero. I'm going to be real honest. Uh, I I like Gilbert Burns' big right hand, right? He drops people. But the fact of the matter is, is people just don't get close to Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. I mean, like, it's why I'm so excited to see him hopefully win this fight and fight Kamaru Usman next is, I think he's a bad style matchup for just about anybody. And, you know, like you mentioned, you know, Anthony Pettis. Yeah, he did land that Superman punch. I'm not sure Anthony Pettis wins that match a hundred, you know, one time out of a hundred if that gets run back, right? Because, yeah, he landed the big KO. But Wonder Boy is not a guy, A, who gets KO'd, and B, a guy uh, who you sit there and strike with and have a good time. So I think, you know, you're right. Burns' path to victory here is getting him to the ground. And as we've seen time and time again, that's just not a thing it's easy to do with Wonderboy, not even necessarily because of his wrestling defense, but because of his distance management. Um, So I actually expect him to just keep this at range, probably force Gilbert Burns to get desperate. And and I think he's going to tag him up. I I think he's going to hurt him bad. Yeah, I think my advice to gamblers on this one, and I'm really, I, I lean the same way just because I think Wonderboy's such a tough puzzle to figure out. Uh, my advice to all gamblers, us included, and of course go to my bookie for all your gambling needs, would be just pick who you think's going to win outright because in both the top two fights, you're not getting any discount on the odds. The odds are kind of priced accordingly. I don't look at either of these fights and say to myself like, Oh, well, I, you know, I, re- I see this path to victory for Gilbert Burns. I see this path to victory for Connor. Okay, what am I going to get for going out on a limb for the guy who's not favored? Plus 100 or plus 125? Go fuck yourself. There's not really value in either of those picks. So, you know, Eileen Thompson and Pori, the favorites in both cases. We'll move then to the heavyweight fight, and it is a fun one. 
for the big boys. You have Taichu Uvasa on a two-fight win streak. That was after losing three in a row, but he beat Seth and Strew via KO, coming up a win over Harry Hunsucker via TKO, and now Taichu Uvasa is going to be fighting Greg Hardy. Uh, the controversial figures coming off a TKO loss to Marcin Tybura, uh, beat Jorgen DeCastro, beat Maurice Green before that, lost to Alexander Volkov before that. So he's two and two in his last four. We've seen extreme cardio issues for him. And if I fail to mention it, Tai Tuivasa here is a minus 130 favorite. Greg Hardy, a plus 100 dog. Again, not getting a ton of value in any of these odds this week. This is a tough week for gamblers, but we're giving you the advice you need to know. And you, of course, you go to my bookie. They provided all these odds for us. Who you got here? I'm going with Taitui Vasa. I, I think there is actually probably value on this side. I actually think he should be a larger favorite. The thing about Taitui Vasa, despite his, uh, what, what can we call it, a portly figure, he is really got good cardio. Like, he doesn't tire. Um, and in addition to that, like, I don't see him shying away from the power of Greg Hardy. Because that's the thing about Greg Hardy, right? Like, he's got power and he's got power early. And then that's pretty much it. And if you can survive that, you you, you can just you know, absolutely trounce him. And I kind of expect that to be the case. I kind of expect him to just put a beat down on Greg Hardy late in this fight and and probably finish him similar to like we saw last time out with Hardy with Marcin Tybura. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. I really have seen some stuff. While uh, Hardy has a lot of power, I don't find him to have the highest of fight IQs. And I think he, and again, this is tough to say, at heavyweight, portly figures, but he's a kind of, he just seems like he's one of those guys that's blessed with power, cursed with cardio and endurance. And I don't like that as you get to the upper echelon of heavyweight, not saying that's who Tai Tuivasa is, but I don't like Hardy's long-term prospects. If he was going up against, let's say, like a Stipe Miocic, well, even Stipe now at the end of his career, I don't even know what to say, but you get what I'm saying. You know, someone like a Think Cain Velasquez level of cardio at heavyweight um, I don't like that in Greg Hardy, and it's something I always think about in his fights. We'll wrap up then on our dog of the week. It's the return. He's back. He's only fought like three times in 10 years, which is such a slight to the grappling nerds like us who all love him. Ryan Hall is our dog of the week. Uh, and uh, let's hear why we like him. And, of course, that plus 190 you can get on my bookie. Yeah, so Ryan Hall, I, I like here at plus 190. I actually think he's being undervalued because Aaliyah Tapuria is a beast, right? Like, I, I really like Tapuria. I think he's a great prospect. We saw him absolutely come out and starch Damon Jackson last time out. But here's the thing about Tapuria. Tapuria likes to throw in short distances. Um, he's also said he's willing to mix it up on the ground with Ryan Hall. He said he feels like he could start this fight in 50-50 and win it. Um, first of all, if that's your mentality in a fight against Ryan Hall, I think you're wrong. And I think you're probably going to have to pay for that statement. And second of all, I think that that need to be in close quarters against Ryan Hall is actually going to be troublesome for Tapuria here. Because if you look back at any of Ryan Hall's fights, he fights really well at distance. He's got some great distance kicks. And anytime you get close to him, he's fine just falling to his back and getting to the ground. And I think... Both of those things are going to prove to absolutely neutralize Aaliyah Tapuria's offense. And then on top of that, going to lead him to very unwisely grapple with Ryan Hall and, and in my opinion, likely lose there. All right. Not going to argue with the thing you said there. I agree. Our parlay to play, 
Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, a minus 155 favorite, pair him together with Max Griffin, also a favorite at minus 200. Pair him together. It does get you plus money at plus 146. Of course, you could do this all at my bookie. Let's hear it. So I already outlined why I love Stephen Thompson so much. I think there's tons of value on his negative 155 line. I think he should be a much larger favorite than that against Gilbert Burns. And for Max Griffin here, he's fighting Carlos Condit, who's had a little bit of a resurgence here, mostly with his wrestling, though. Uh, he looked good wrestling Matt Brown, and he looked good wrestling um, Court McGee before that. I actually think it's going to be tougher for him to wrestle Max Griffin. I think he's going to have a harder time on the feet. Max Griffin has really put together a nice couple of fights in a row. One by TKOing a dude by taking his ear almost clean off. And then the mean knockout against Song Kanan last time. I think we're finally going to see, you know, Carlos Condit's age come back into play here. And for that reason, I really like Max Griffin in this fight. Boom. We sure hope you enjoyed Fight Dogs and Parlays for UFC 264 because we sure enjoyed bringing it to you. You, of course, can check us out on Twitter at Top Turtle MMA. We'll be live tweeting during the show. And we like to tweet all sorts of funny stuff during the week. Please head on over to iTunes, write a review for the show. Give us a five-star review if you think we earned it. It helps keep the lights on in the Top Turtle podcast studio. Gumby, this train is a rumbling and a moving down the tracks. Choo-choo, where should we go next? And we're going to transition now to my interview with Cameron Else. He talks about his UFC debut, the disappointment he faced, and how he's rebounding for this upcoming fight with Aaron Phillips. But before we get to that interview, I do have to mention that this interview is brought to you by Maroon Social, M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. Whether you do kickboxing, judo, sabo, jujitsu, or any other martial art, you can log your training sessions, tag your training partners, log your different competitions, weigh-ins, and so much more. So make sure to download Maroon Social wherever it is you download apps. Maroon Social brings you this interview with Cameron Else, and it starts right now. All right, and joining me today is Cameron Else, who fights Aaron Phillips at UFC in the Apex on July 24th. So, Cameron, I wanted to start here. I, I wanted to talk about your tough first fight. You obviously get a ranked opponent, Kyler Phillips, on short notice. It doesn't go your way, but give us your thoughts on making your debut and, and what that was like for you. Um, honestly, the actual debut is gutting um, because – I've always visualized me coming into the UFC um, and me basically, basically, I've always, everything I've always visualized has come to, come to, um, to life. So I always visualize, I always knew I'd get to the UFC. I know it's just uh, a matter of one day waking up and getting that phone call, but I always visualize me knocking that motherfucker out. Again. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, it was hard for me after the fight to, it really hit me like, damn, it didn't happen. Like, like it was hard to get over um, because I generally 100% believed that I'd knock him out and it'd be like, wow, like who is this kid? And like, like you saw a couple of times over Fight Island, the kids coming in and stepping him short notice and just still in the limelight. And I was looking at other fighters and seeing like, what they were doing and the impacts that they have in terms of, uh, is it Kazma, um, the, the Russian guy, like he blew up, got over a million followers and that. And I know that I have the ability in my talent to do exactly what these guys were doing. So for me not to do it and have to sit back on, on a loss, it sucked. 
And it was your first loss in, in, you know, like three plus years at that point in time too. So you go back to your gym, you, you go back to get ready for another fight. What is it like getting into the gym again after that kind of, you know, disappointment, that kind of not getting what you had visualized? Well, to be honest, like I sat back and I always, I don't look for excuses. I look for facts. And there's a lot of reasons why that fight went the way it did. And, one of them alone being 22 pound heavy when I got the phone call to fight. So I had a lot of weight to cut. And then the other thing I worked out was the time difference between where I was to there. Like when I was out there, um, there was no, like all the Americans were going to bed in a day because they keep it on the old time lapse. So I didn't know any about any of this. I was just like, oh yeah, I'm going to fight. Um, I also thought I'd be flying out on the Saturday, but they told me that I've got to stay in London to quarantine before flying out on the Tuesday. So I flew out late. By the time I got out there on the Tuesday night, it was like, I got out there at like one o'clock Tuesday night, I think. And then it was straight into like hotel room quarantine for 46 hours. But mine turned into like 56 hours, purely because of the time at night I was coming out, there was nothing I could do anyway. So you think Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then Friday was weighing. So I literally just had to sit in my room and I couldn't lose any weight. And I woke up on the day, I was like 13 point something overweight in pound. And for me anyway, being the smaller end of the spectrum and the weight category, it's just harder for us to lose that type of water. It has a big effect on our bodies. So... I did. I made the weight. I'm one of those guys. If I say I'm going to do it, I'll do it. Like, I'd, I'd rather die and know that I was a man of my word than survive and bitch out and always have people go, oh, but you didn't make weight. Like, fuck that. If I say I'm going to do something, I'll do it. So that was a that was a massive factor as well. And then, obviously, prior to me actually accepting the fight, I haven't. I hadn't been in America for. 15 months train to train like normally, like I normally train. Like I used to be out there, even when I didn't have fights, I was always out there just training and staying ready. That's how I got good pretty quick from the first time I went to America six years ago. So I went from then having 15 months in England, not getting no MMA sparring or anything. And then we hit lockdown. I was meant to fly out on March um, and we hit lockdown. And then I couldn't fly out. So England literally went strict as hell. I couldn't go to a gym to run. I couldn't do my swimming. I couldn't do nothing. And then it was getting depressing. It was like, oh, you can't find a contender series now because you can't fly to America because you're on an estate and got a visa. So in the end, I just sat in my garden from March right through to August drinking beer pretty much. And then get called up to fight in the UFC. So these these aren't excuses. These are actual facts mm. that massively implement your performance on the night. I'm always one of those guys, in my head, I'm so so mentally strong and tough and believe I can achieve anything. Like If I step in the cage against any man, if I agree to it, I fully 100% believe I can beat that man. So with having that mindset, it was like, I just thought, yeah, it came me through. But ultimately, my body shut down. And when we come, when I made the weight, before I was going out, I had real bad kidneys. 
like my kidneys started hurting and I knew then like shit this is this is how it affect because mentally it wasn't tough making the weight like getting the water out of me and getting down to hit the mark that weren't tough I was mentally there I was like no I'm gonna do it do it and I did it and even my coaches were like never once did you moan like you was uh, said like oh no I'm done I'm done mm-hmm. you just had a goal target bang and I got it done so I felt okay during the period of starting at 6am and finish at 3.30 in the afternoon, getting away off. But then when I was waiting to go out, I felt my kidneys start hurting. And then after I weighed in, I'd come out and I remember feeling like I needed a toilet and you shouldn't need the toilet, especially as shit. And it was like muddy blood. It was horrible. It was like real bad pains. And then I had to take these tablets to block me up because nothing was holding. Um, so I was eating, it was just like coming out like fluid, like the, the, I was, I got told just drink all my water and all my nutrition, water, nutrition, like water, electrolytes and all that, but they weren't holding my body. It was just passing through. And then I had to take tablets to block that, just to make me try and block up. And then, uh, I then obviously get told I'm on the main card now. So I'm like, okay, cool. And they're like, oh yeah, you're fighting at 7am. I'm like, what? 7am? They're like, yeah. I'm like. So what does that mean? And they said, well, you can go to bed, chill out. The bus will pick you up at 5 a.m. So I'm like, oh, right. So normally I thought I was fighting Saturday night. Oh, no, you're not. So I'm like, oh, I just got to bed. I can get a good sleep, recover, let my body come around. But obviously come that night, I'm going to get in bed at like 8 o'clock and my coach next to me snoring his head off. <laughs> and I'm literally sitting there. And now it's like started to kick in. I'm in the UFC finally hit my dream. Oh, I've got this. I've made way. I was excited. I was going through, I was going through the emotions that you should go through over six to eight weeks for a camp all in less than 24 hours before the fight. So I was dealing with that and it kept me up all night. Like before I knew it, it was like one o'clock and then I'm bored. So I'm on my phone and I'm reading messages from people about how much money they bet on me. And, and I'm replying to people that I just, I shouldn't, I never do. But because I was just so out of my zone, couldn't sleep. And before I knew it, it was like, fuck, it's like an hour and a half, two hours. I've got to be up. So then if you think about it, I went the whole night without even sleeping. I had a bad night sleep like four. And then literally just walked straight down and had the fight. So there's a lot of factors there. Like, do you know what I mean? They're, they're not excuses. Like, and I say this to people, I'm not making excuses whatsoever. At the end of the day, I knew what I was getting into. I knew that fucking wake up was going to kill me. But I knew also I got to pat my hands to put any man to sleep and take his soul. So, and he knew that and all Kyler because like you heard in his post fight with uh, Paul Ferro after, like I felt the power of one of his shots and it like wobbled me. I didn't, I was like, whoa, I ain't taking them. And it went the way it did. He took me down and I thought I had the energy up. I hit, threw him off me really quick. And then all my energy just went and I was sapped and it was it was a really weird feeling, but I have no doubt in my mind that if I had a full count, I'd knocked his ass out and it ain't over yet for him either. Well, and, and let's talk about your full camp because now you're getting the opportunity to really make what should be your actual debut, right? Like under a full yeah. camp with all these circumstances gone. I yep. see uh, on your Instagram training in a bunch of different places. Tell me a little bit about where you're you're doing this training camp and, and some of the places you've been working out at. Okay, so what it was is obviously, given the amount of time I had off, I didn't want to, I said to my manager and that, I don't want to 
just be given a fight and say, oh, you're fine in six weeks. When I need to get in shape, I need to get back to my body being used to being able to train three times a day, four times a day. So I took the opportunity to fly out in January to also find a new location, whether I wanted to take the opportunity of the UFCPI in Las Vegas and see if I could find a home there. Because obviously I've been in Jackson Wink for six years, basically, down at Jackson Wink, and I was living with Cowboy. So with the BMF lot, and that's all great. And I can't thank them guys enough. Like, for They've made me who I am, or getting me to where I'm at now. But things have changed a lot over the last couple of years. And I feel like now with so much time away from like Jackson Wink and stuff, that I'll be a fool not to go and have a look in Las Vegas and see what will help me best. Because also you you got to bear in mind that I've got to listen to my body. I've got to listen to professionals. I've spent my whole career, my whole life, being my own coach. So being your own coach is, one, it's very, it's very self-motivating and it creates a very, very, very strong mindset. Uh, but on the other side, it also could be your kryptonite. You don't know when to take your rest because you're so hard on yourself. So I went out there in January I flew out. I said to Jason, my manager, I said, can you get me out there? Flew out. I tried to cut the gyms in LA, ended up going to Vegas. I went back to Albuquerque and I went back to Vegas and realised Vegas is where I need to be. There's a good gym there called Syndicate uh, MMA. You know, obviously know about them. They've got loads of good guys coming through there. Yeah, a load of young, hungry guys as well that are like breaking onto the UFC scene, which you've got unbeaten talent there. You've got like... You've got, like, the future there as well, you know? So, and they're all around my weight. And I'm a big bantamweight. Um, so I can mix it up with the lightweights and the worldweights too. Um, so, yeah, I was, I was there and I, I went to the test centre at their HQ, done loads of stuff there. They done loads of tests on me, which I got really good results back considering I was overweight at a camp, at a shape light. And then I decided I had to come back home. And I come back home and I... I was been waiting to get a fight signed and obviously this fight then got the go ahead and I said to Jason, look, um, I haven't got my visa yet. So I had to wait for my visa and they're like, oh, it could take about seven to eight weeks. But, and I was like, look, I don't want to wait around in England in lockdown where I can't train and then you just expect to fly me out there and do a three, four week camp and fight. I'm not having that. Like, I haven't, I haven't put my life 12 years, 10 years of this in everything, blood, sweat and tears into this game to get in the UFC and then only be given like not my fair crack, you know? Like I'm here to have seven years in the UFC. That's that's my goal. And another seven years, I, I want the title. And you ain't going to do that by take, like stuff that you can control, like short notice fights. Yeah, they'll come back down the line for me but right now I need to just focus on getting a good performance getting momentum going and then I'll take short nights fights all the time because I'll be in shape so with that Jason flew me out and uh, I went out on the Yesta and I spent the last I spent about six weeks at Syndicate I got great results at the PI actually got like the hardest hitter in bantamweight division but I know I am so and the stats don't lie do you know what I mean they tell us our weight category and they said I've got the power of a uh, above average featherweight so it was really nice to see those results 
especially because also I dropped fourteen pound, thirteen pound in weight and fat, put two pound of lean muscle on, and my results just went through the roof. So um, it was I done that for six weeks, and then I got to go ahead. and said, "Oh yes, your visa. You need to go back and get your visa now." So I actually originally scheduled to come back here for two weeks and pick up my visa, but there was an issue at my visa interview last week. Um, it's been resolved now. I've got the correct documentation now. So they're trying to get my, my visa booked in for this week. If they don't get it booked in this week because there's such a backlog in visas and emergency visas and all that, then there's a chance that the fight may get pushed back to the end of August. If not, and we can get it done this week, then it's all still scheduled for the 24th of July. Um, but honestly, I'm in outrageous shape. I just I just tested my resting heart rate now, sitting here with you, and it's 41. Like, I'm peaked. I'm lean. I'm currently now, one, like, 149. Do you know what I mean? And I've still got three weeks. I'll be coming in sharp. I'm just eager now to hopefully get the visa this week. If not, and the fight gets pushed back to the end, end of August because my visa interviews maybe in two weeks or a week and a half, whatever, I'll get that visa. As soon as I've got the visa, I'll fly out to the States and I'll finish a four-week camp off them fight. Perfect. Do you know what I mean? But just be know that I want to go into this fight and know that they there is nothing left unturned do you know what I mean and I know through my career every time when I've had a camp like I have now I haven't just won the fight I've done it in in emphatical style you know what I mean it's been impressive and it's got 50 G's written all over it well we really want to see that and we hope it's the end of July too now I did want to ask you really quick before we talk a little bit about the fight too you know, you said Syndicate MMA was the place for you, and obviously there's loads of gyms in, in Vegas. What about working with John Wood in, in the folks at Syndicate made you think that that was, you know, obviously you mentioned the training partners, but what made you feel like that was the place that you had to be? So when I went down and obviously had a chat, obviously being good friends with Cowboy, Cowboy was like, look, John Wood would be a good match for you. So he, he linked me up with him and said, hit him up. So I hit him up and, uh, very welcoming, went into the gym. I could feel the energy straight away, even from like the the guys in the gym. They just very wanted you to not just join the team as like, oh, his extra meat here we can fight. <laughs> was like, oh, let's help this guy grow um, as well. So I could, I could really base off good energy. And then obviously sitting down with John, having a chat with John, telling him what I'm looking for and what I need. Because that, that was the main thing. Like, I've always... Where I am a coach myself and I've always had that role where of telling people how to help others instead of sitting back and going, no, hang on a minute. Like I'm at the highest level now. I, I, I'll tell you what I need. And if you can't give me what I need, then this isn't the place for me. And one thing I've learned now as I've got, as I got closer to the top, meaning getting to the UFC is you have to be loyal to yourself first and foremost. Like loyalty is a thing where, it's very misinterpreted and misused very easily. Like at the end of the day, I've got to be loyal to me because it's what makes me happy and loyal to my needs and my goals and my ambitions and my targets in life. And I sat down with John and I told him what, what I needed. And he was like, yeah, okay, I think we, we can work together. Let's hit mitts and 
see see how we get on and stuff. And as soon as we started hitting mitts, things that I do and teach to my students and how I visualize the future of the future star of MMA is how I train and he done exactly this. He interpreted what I was doing and we just literally clicked and I was like, I like this, like that. I like what you're doing. He said something and it this really stood out to me. He said every every fighter is his own car. One has a Ferrari, one has a Skoda. He said, know your vehicle and know how to drive it. He said, because if you don't, it doesn't matter what car you got, you won't get to the end of the race. So, and he said, Cam, you're like a Ferrari. <laughs> he said, oh, now we just need to understand how to drive it and calm it down in places and put a foot to the gas in other places. And he was impressed with, it was, to be fair, they're all pretty like, when they see me, like, bantamweight, bloody hell. And then was like, I, I look big. Um, I suppose I am big for the weight. Um, but I don't cut a lot of weight. That's the thing. Like I said, I'm like 149 now. It's pushy. But um, it's just discipline, you know? But yeah. And then I, Pads of him, he said I could crack. He was well impressed with the pain. He was like, you're going to be doing great things. And we just hit it off well. And I just think, do you know what? Like, I'll be a fool not to give it a, a full camp. So I said, I'm going to give it a full camp. And then we'll see how it goes through the full camp. And if things need to be twerked after the camp, we'll sit down like men and have that discussion and, and work around it. But I mean, no, mind. I don't want to be changing the gym after gym after gym, but I need to find what's correct for me. So this works and we can work through any problems that may occur or things that didn't work. Then great. I'll have that opportunity and we sit down and talk about it and we move forward and, you never know, it could be most likely be that gym that I bring the belt home to, you know? Well, I'd love to hear it. Now, the first step towards bringing that belt home is obviously Aaron Phillips, hopefully on July 24th. Before I let you go, can you can you wager a prediction? How do you see this one going? Hurting him. Like bad. Like bad. Like the the kid talked too much shit. And the thing with me, I'm I'm very humble and I'm very relaxed, but if you're going to pick a fight with me and then run your mouth, you best back it. Because I'll tell you something, you don't go kick a hornet's nest, stand beside it and not get stung. So he's going to get stung. He ain't got the power like me. I know he's going to be this, like, oh, because he's a kickboxer, stand up or whatever. We'll see. Unlucky for him. My my taekwondo coach, world champion, is Southpaw kickboxing. Exactly, basically him. And I've been sparring him and guys like him for a long time. And, Every Southpaw I pretty much thought I've knocked out. All he's got to do is look at his, uh, look at the Brave fight. I just, honestly, I just, I'm covered in all areas. I, I think he's a guy that likes to be aggressive and that, but then when there's someone there going, all right, let's go then. Like, let's go. Like, now let's see who's the savage. Let's see, let's see, let's see who really is the ruthless guy because put it this way, I ain't taking a back step. Wow. And when I put my hands on him and he feels my hands, you watch him turn into a desperate-ass grappler. Well, we're looking forward to that. Once again, this is Cameron Nelson who fights Aaron Phillips at UFC in the Apex on July 24th, hopefully, or at the end of August. Cam, thanks so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. No worries, man. I appreciate your, uh, your time reaching out, and I hope uh, I wish you all the best.
And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We couldn't do what we do without you guys. We also want to thank our sponsors, Maroon Social, Better Than Vegas, and, of course, MyBookie. Be sure to use promo code TOPTURTLE on MyBookie.ag. And, of course, remember to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at TopTurtleMMA. And until next week, I'm Daniel Gumby-Vreeland. He's Shockwave Dave Tremonte, and we'll catch you then.